Hi there, it's Omar Moalem, editor of The Yards, the magazine of the downtown Edmonton and Oliver Community Leagues. We're pleased to be back in the podcast studio after a month-long break to talk about one of my favorite topics again, real estate. But not the stuff that you buy and sell and talk about at cocktail parties, not the real estate that every newspaper seems to have new data on every week. We're talking about rent, which so many people see as a dirty word. And that's too bad because rent in Edmonton is a fascinating market. Just a couple of years ago, trying to find an apartment was like trying to find a job. You had to pound the pavement, make repeat calls and offer up references just to make the cut. And a decade of mass in-migration just drove vacancy rates down and rental fees way up, almost doubling since 2005. But then in the last year, vacancy rates are growing again, from 1.7% to 4.2. And landlords are offering up all sorts of incentives to get you in there. So here to explain what's going on is Jandeep Diol of Colliers International. He's an associate vice president at Collier's Edmonton office, and he's been involved in the analysis and sale of over 2,200 units and over $300 million of multifamily real estate in this province. His expertise is multifamily housing, row houses, condos, and what we're here to talk about today, apartments. So we're gonna hear from him in a minute, but first, I wanna invite you all to our spring launch and salon at the Deckel Community Space on March the 10th. The theme of our panel is small is big. You're gonna hear from city planner Ann Stevenson and Iki Izakaya owner Ayuma Yuda about the virtues of tiny spaces, why they're good for business, good for urban form, and good for community. You're going to meet some of the regular Central Edmonton movers and shakers that our parties are known to attract, plus some of the Yard's award-nominated writers. That's right, we're up for five Alberta Magazine Awards for journalistic and writing excellence, and we want to raise a glass to our contributors who make it happen. So I hope you'll join us. Tickets are $5, which you can find online at theyardsyag.ca or at the door. Now for the interview. Jandeep, thanks for joining us. No problem. Glad to be here. So Canadian media tends to favor coverage of private real estate, and uh, and it's for a good reason. It's it's viewed as an asset, and renting is sort of seen as this like compromise to the Canadian dream. And I think that's especially true in places like Edmonton, where the vast majority of residents own their homes, um, or at least their banks do. Mm-hmm. Um, does rent get a bad rap, do you think? Absolutely. Um, considering where home ownership has gone, um, you know, we can start off with the recent uh, mortgage restrictions that were announced last week. Um, anything over five hundred thousand dollars now, um, any potential homeowner is asked to put in uh, an extra five percent. So and, now, a total. And quickly, of 10%. what's the reason for that? Um, you know, I think it's just a, a matter of uh, fine-tuning the mortgage process. I think they're being a little bit more stringent on who they're lending to. Mm-hmm. CMHC is tightening up requirements, and uh, that's why they're, um, they've started to introduce uh, more stringent uh, mortgage restrictions. And, you know, given that, um, also the increased property taxes, utilities, it's, it's quite a burden for someone who, you know, is, is buying their first home. They've, you know, they've barely been able to... Uh, put together a, a a large down payment to purchase a home, you know, a monthly burden of 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 $2000 isn't necessarily easy for some of these people. Yeah, no. I mean it it maybe it's maybe it was easier for uh our parents generation. I mean, I'm 30 years old. I think you are I'm 31 as well. You're 31 yeah. as well. And and it makes me wonder if maybe there's a bit of a generational divide sometimes between boomers and Gen Xers. Uh, how they see their homes in Gen Y and millennials. Do you think, do, do you ever feel that way? I completely agree. Um, it's it's the whole, um, you know, the old age, um, uh, you know, security versus flexibility. Our parents were more concerned with 
having a secure asset um, that they could call their own, they could um, you know pay down the equity as quickly as possible, have that security to uh, to raise their kids versus people our age now. We want to be flexible. We want to be able to live close to amenities. Uh, we're becoming more of a lifestyle city with all the new development that's going on within the downtown core. And it's, uh, or just pack our bags and travel. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Pack your bags and travel. I know I like to do that and I'm sure you do too. Um, it's just, it's, it's the whole flexibility and that's where the, the, the primary change in my eyes has come. And you have a phrase, uh, cash flow is king. What, what do you mean by that? It ties in exactly to your, your previous question, the ability to, to be flexible and have a set, um, sticker price every month that you're paying for your, uh, for your living expenses is, uh, you know, it's a, it's a comfortable thing for people our age. We're able to have that extra cash flow to go to the bar on the weekend, to go watch a movie with your, with your friends or your spouse, to, to travel, take weekend getaways to the mountains. Uh, all this enables us to have that, have that cash flow to, to live the lifestyle that we want. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, what, what, what are the risks in, in the long term, though, of, of being sort of a perennial renter? I mean, I know there's people listening to this right now and they're thinking and they're saying, uh, but rent is paying someone else's mortgage. You know, we, we hear that all the time. Um, what are the, the downsides of, you know, of being a being a renter? Yeah, there, there's obvious downsides. You're, you're not building the equity. You're, um, you're, yeah, some would say that you're paying someone else's mortgage. But the way I like to look at it as well, um, a lot of people who, who jump into mortgages and, you know, you're paying off that, uh, that monthly mortgage payment every month, you have to understand the first five to 10 years is primarily interest. Um, and that may be half your mortgage payment. So if you're paying $2,000 towards your mortgage, you know, only $1,000 may be going towards your principal and half may be going to your interest. Why not rent for, for 1000 bucks? and, you know, at the end of the end of the five-year cycle, whenever you feel comfortable that you want to buy, you've saved up that extra $1,000 um, and then you have more towards a down payment. You know, there, there are obvious downsides and I think people do get a little bit caught up in that. But in my opinion, it's a wash. If you're, if you're responsible with your money and you're able to save while you're renting, in my opinion, it's a wash. Hmm. Well, if you want to rent, now is certainly a good time to be doing that because the incentives that landlords in Edmonton are, are offering are, are pretty surprising. I've, I've heard everything from uh, no damage deposit uh, to a free month to 100 to $200 monthly discounts if you take out a year lease. Uh, what's going on here? What's, what's driving all these incentives? We're simply overbuilt. Um, over the last two to three years, we... When the economy was strong, um, oil price was flourishing. We had a, we had a lot of skilled laborers moving in from the east. Um, they were coming here to take advantage of the the Alberta dream, and uh, and work in a very uh, very stable uh, economy. So a lot of developers saw that they started to build more rental. Uh, most of this rental was built on the periphery and the suburban markets. And, um, you know, that's where a lot of these skilled laborers wanted to wanted to live. It was easy, it was easy for them to move, uh, uh, sorry, to, to go out to their uh, to their jobs, wherever it may be in, in secondary markets and also have a home in a in a metropolitan city. The problem now is with uh, with the drop in oil price over the last year. And we are very reliant on oil and gas here in Edmonton. We've seen um, a lot of these skilled laborers go back to 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 the east and we're seeing vacancy jump up now some of these units that have been built within the last two years and they're coming to market now, or, or they started construction in the last two years and coming to market now, we're seeing a lot of these landlords struggle to fill their units up. 
Um, that's why they're offering, some are offering a couple of months free rent, some are offering $50 off on a, on a monthly basis, and some are offering incentives such as, um, you know, free cable, free TVs, just to get renters in. Wow. And that's, I mean, that is really quite different from what it was a few years ago. Um, when the vacancy rate was, what, wait, 1.4? percent i think it was that sounds right and that was not that long ago yeah that uh, i believe in 2014 the vacancy rate in edmonton was 1.4 what was it like for people then trying to find uh a place to rent i mean we have all this in migration of laborers and and you know whatever else uh wherever else they're coming for and typically they land here i mean very infrequently do people just land in a city and buy a home they they start by renting what was it like for them to try to get their feet on the ground here? It was difficult. They didn't have a lot of selection. Um, with vacancy being at 1.4% to begin with, you didn't have a whole lot of opportunity or a lot of chances to get into um, to, in, in, into some of this product. So it was difficult for them. And some of them were displaced for a few months, had to live with friends. And, you know, we remember that time even at Collier's getting calls from, from people moving in from other provinces asking if we knew of any buildings that had vacancies. So it, I can imagine that times uh, were, were, were really bad for them at that time. They were calling Collier's thinking that... That, that we would be able to help them in some respects to, really? to find vacancies, yes. Wow, these are just regular people moving to the city and you got it. they don't know where else to go. And they may have seen a building that was for sale on, on our website and, right. they, and they were calling to see if they could, if they could find some vacancy in, right. in one of these buildings. And it, it, it would be a week on a weekly basis where we forward um, someone's contact information to one of our owners or landlords, letting them know that there's, there's someone looking for, for rental units in, in the city. Now's as good as any time to explain exactly what it is that Collier's does as far as multifamily residences go. We specialize in uh, the sale and acquisition of multifamily assets. Um, well, my division does. And we, uh, we're a full-service firm that does this for all asset classes, including industrial, office, um, retail. Office and retail are probably the one that you're best known for. Yes, uh, you've probably seen signs across the city uh, for, for colliers, uh, for, for retail space, and for office space. So so you specifically help investors acquire or dispose of multifamily assets, and, and that goes through cycles. What, what are the different cycles, or what are the different market forces that might drive your investors toward the multifamily residential asset class? We have seen a jump um, into the multifamily asset class over the last couple of years because of the, the inherent stability. Um, all the big multinational institutional investors that we have been talking over the last few years, we've been we, you know we've been selling the inherent stability of the asset class, and they've finally decided to make the jump in in, in 2012, 13, and 14, considering the amount of people that were moving here. The market dynamics were strong, vacancy was low, rental rates were were flying. We, you know, we jumped up almost 250 bucks a unit from 2012 to 2014. Um, and everyone wanted to be a part of that. Everyone wanted to come to the party and enjoy the, you know, the, the success we were having on the, on the multifamily side here in Edmonton. Right. And, um, and it's, it's funny because like before that cycle, there were so many condo conversions, right? So, right. so many apartments, um, I think thousands of units in, in, in Edmonton that were, apartment rentals became condos almost so ten thousand. Ten thousand. that's yeah. incredible and so that obviously tightened the vacancy exactly and, and ended up pushing the demand for a new rental stock right. as well so so that's what we're finally seeing right you know a new stock of apartments for the first time in 
40, 50 years in, in some cases? I mean, a lot of these apartments are built in the 60s that we see in the city. Yeah, we we saw our first surge of apartment buildings built in, in the post-war era in the 50s and 60s. Uh, we saw another surge in the 70s and 80s, and then again in the early 2000s. Uh, most of the uh, the product here in Edmonton is made in, is was built in those um, in one of those eras, um, and we're going to look back at 2014 and 13 and 15 and say the same thing about mm-hmm. this era. You know, it's been uh, it's been a time when um, you saw a lot of migration into into Alberta, specifically into Edmonton, and uh, developers have wanted to take advantage of that surge. How much of this do you think is you know just the the fact that there's a tight vacancy and the fact that these are old uh old apartments aging and how much of that is just sort of undoing the condo conversion of the of the 90s and 2000s that gobbled up 10,000 apartment units it has a lot to do with it you, you know i think that's why we were so tight on the vacancy front uh, after the condo conversion boom of of 07 and 08 you saw you know, you you really didn't see rents drop, and I think that's a telling tale. Yeah, um, even though ten thousand units came off, and we were going through a supposed recession, you didn't see rents drop. Vacancy may have jumped up to four and a half percent, but we're not nearly we weren't nearly at the levels that we're at today for vacancy. So it, it has a lot to do with that. It also has a lot to do with our with our strong economy, our boom and bust economy. When you go through uh, the boom that we've been through over the last. Uh, two, three years, it's, it's a time to build. It's a time to, to take advantage of um, all the people moving here and, and um, a good way for a lot of these condo developers or purpose-built rental guys to, to pad their cash flow. So, so now we're, we're at a bust again. And I think the question that a lot of people have is how many of these proposals, even some of these construction sites, will, will never see the light of day um, or at least not until we, we see another boom. And at this point, we really don't know if we might see it in, in the next few years or, or in another decade. The new proposal, that's a really good question. Um, the projects that have already been leased up, in my opinion, they've, those, um, those investors are extremely intelligent. They've built in a 10% vacancy or 15% vacancy to, to deal with the tough times. They'll weather the storm. The ones that I'm worried about are the ones that are going to be coming to market in 2016. We don't have a lot of migration. Uh, I don't. F- I don't feel like many people are going to make the decision of moving this year, um, just given the fact that the that the economy is stable. So who's going to rent these units? Um, that's the question. Might we see some of these um, apartments tilt toward becoming? condos instead i mean when the vacancy was so low we saw uh buildings like the station on white which was intended to be a condo Mm -hmm. convert to an apartment just within it looked like the last few months of its completion might we see the opposite where we're you know we're expecting apartments and then maybe it's a safer deal safer investment to go condo not if mortgage restrictions keep getting tougher right Uh, i alluded to that earlier uh, mortgage restrictions. If they if they continue to go the way that they're going now, I believe it'll be even more difficult to to purchase a purchase a new home, especially for the for the first time home buyer. Um, you know, again, going back to to a lot of the the young professionals who are who are usually first time home buyers or even skilled laborers coming out of coming out of university or moving or moving here from a different province. Either you're stuck with student loans or you don't have a big down payment to to uh, put uh, down towards a new condo. My opinion is that we will see these projects stay as um, as purpose-built rental for the time being. 
Uh, and then we may see a lull in construction, uh, especially on the condo side, given that condo uh, sales are soft. And then eventually we'll start to see a pickup again once the economy picks up. Right. But yeah, so there's still, there is still uh, an expectation of a, of a new apartment stock. A lot of it's in downtown and, and the Oliver area and the central Edmonton right. area. <clears throat> Um, whereas before it was, a lot of it was in the suburbs. Right. Why, why do you think we're starting to see them become quite literally more centralized? Edmonton is becoming a lifestyle city. We, we have a, we have over $6.5 billion worth of construction going on in downtown area right now. So whether you're a young professional, a student, uh, you, you work in retail downtown, whether you work in construction downtown, you want to be close to the action. That's why you're seeing projects like the Oliver built by um, John Day. You're seeing the Hendricks, built by the Edgar Brothers. You're seeing Mayfair North by Procura. Um, Edgewater by Regency. Yeah. All these projects are, are, are in downtown. They're, they're, they're centered on the downtown core, uh, and, and, and their target market is, is, is people, like I mentioned earlier, you know, the people who want to be close to the action and, and take part in the lifestyle Right, and they're willing to pay a premium for these places too, because you know the apartment stock that is mostly available right now. I mean, let's face it; it is very dated, right? right. I mean, you you got that you got those chipped wood cupboards. You probably got a lot of rug in right. there still. It's not the most glamorous, and and it's actually quite surprising too for for how much some of these apartments cost. I mean, some people are paying you know fifteen hundred dollars for a two bedroom right. that is. Uh, you know, you, you may not even want to have your in-laws over. Right. Um, but suddenly we're going to have these nice, uh, the stock of nice apartments um, with granite and wood floors and nice new cupboards, all the new fixtures. What does that mean for the old apartments? Like, is it realistic to think that you should pay less rent for the older stuff when, when the options are suddenly more luxurious? It's going to cause the older stock to, uh, to be forced to renovate yeah. and then to compete with the product. Or you drop down to a, uh, to, to a lower price point. There's no, uh, there's no way you can, you can look at two sticker prices. And, you know, we're, we're a renter base that is becoming more and more sophisticated. We want to live in a nice apartment. We want to be close to amenities. And like you said, we want to be able to bring our in-laws or our parents to our, uh, to, back to our place. And, uh, it, you know, it'd be nice. Um, I like to compare it to owning. I've been renting myself for the last two years, and I keep my my rental apartment as I was in, as I would keep my my future home. So, um, I think a lot of people have that pride in renting as well. So, you know, if you're if you're going into a building, you're paying a paying a big uh, sticker price, and 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 it's not the nicest unit. You'll you'll definitely wanna, or you'll definitely be able to, or be willing to, I should say, pay an extra two hundred bucks and get into a into a unit that's more appealing to you right so you you've been renting i i uh own my my condo and um and we we talked about this earlier what what are the i guess disadvantages of renting but one of the biggest disadvantages of of owning a condo of course is the liens the the levies and it seems like people don't like to talk about it too much in Edmonton, but you know we had a little bit of a leaky condo crisis ourselves, especially in the central neighborhoods. And is that? I mean, is that how much of an incentive is that for you to to rent? Is just to sort of avoid the gigantic 
uh, levies or the, the sudden levies that just get sprung up on people when they, when they own their own place? That is becoming a more and more common problem in the condo converted projects. Uh, my prediction is that you're going to see a lot of these condo converted projects come back into rental so that one owner can come in, spend the, the, the money on capital improvements and bring the project back up to its, you know, its op, op, like optimal performance is, the, is probably the best word for that. Um, on the condo side, you're right. A lot of these, a lot of these condos in the inner city that were put, uh, put up really fast in between 2006 and 2008, they experience these problems. You know, you may drive around the city and you see, um, you know, if you uh, see scaffolding, scaffolding around like exactly. a new building, then you know that it, you know there's something wrong. There. There's something wrong with the building envelope. Or, and, or if like you know six months pass and you come by and there's a new building with a new paint job, right? You know it's not just a paint job. Yeah. And we've seen that uh, we, we we've seen that a lot with a lot of the, con- the condos that came up in the uh, 2006 to 2008 era. They were, uh, you know, there was there's water leaking through windows, causing mold issues, and you've uh, you've had special assessments in you know in the neighborhood of ten to fifteen thousand dollars per unit. Just to just to alleviate those. Yeah. Well, look, I, I appreciate you coming in. Um, I'm I'm obviously very excited about a lot of these new projects. You mentioned the Hendrix. That's one I'm I'm super excited about. Uh, for you, is there is there something that you're really looking forward to uh, to seeing open its doors in in downtown and central Edmonton? I can't wait for the Ice District. I think it's gonna be a <laughs> it's gonna be just a an awesome place to hang out. Uh, considering I work two blocks from there, it's gonna be. It's going to be great, you know, be, being able to go out, grab a grab a drink after work, catch a hockey game, and then even, you know, go out after, right? You know, that's something that Edmonton doesn't have right now. And li- working in downtown for the last 11 years, it, it would be nice to actually see someone downtown after 6 p.m., you know? You, sometimes you walk the streets to your it's car. It's happening. And you feel- I mean, the, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, those, it's those streets off of Jasper Avenue right. or that. I mean, yeah. Jasper Avenue is... It, it feels busier. It, it feels quite busy these days, but then you take one turn right, one turn left, and uh, and then it, you suddenly feel like you've walked into a back alley. Yeah, exactly. So we're yeah, I, I'm definitely excited about that. Do you think we're going to see rental apartments in the ice district? As far as I know, there'll be roughly a thousand re- um, rental or condominium units in mm-hmm. the ice district. Not sure exactly what the breakup will be, but I I would imagine that there would have to be rental units to take advantage of uh, of renters wanting to live close to the arena. Right, right. Wanting that, that sort of ultimate uh, lifestyle city. Exactly. Cool. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. And thank you so much for listening. We broadcast an episode monthly and we publish a magazine quarterly. So look out for the new issue out in March. And it's featuring stories about the virtues of small retail, community gardening, and so much more. If you didn't already get one in your mailbox in Oliver or downtown, then grab one from one of the businesses listed on our website or come get it early at our launch party on March the 10th. Details about the party and our award-nominated stories are online at theyardsyag.ca. We tweet at The Yards Yag and we're on Facebook too. The Yards is funded by the Downtown Edmonton and the Oliver Community Leagues. If you have a story idea or know someone who plays a big part in downtown, if you are that person, get in touch at editor at theyardsyag.ca. Special thanks today to Stephen Bowers, who generously lets us use his studio. He records, mixes, masters the podcast, and he wrote our lovely theme music too. So you can check him out at stephenbowers, B-O-W-E-R-S dot com. Thanks for listening.